yourself that question. What did you do to deserve this kind of love? 
Whatever you want, lift up your hands and begin to bless him. It's good to dance, it's good to jump around, but sometimes it's, it's good to reflect. In one minute, just begin to think about all the things God has done. that is down and sets him for the world to see that is the God you came to serve if it's that same God I came to serve can you lift up your hands and open up your mouth and begin to blast in other tongues I wish I can hear people <laughs> Sempre na minha na 
sin, Lord. <laughs> what did you do to deserve this kind? It's not by works that any man should boast. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. We bless your holy name.
Take your seat. Amen. Okay, I want us. You know, in a Bible study, when some people think we are starting, that's when we are finishing. Okay. I want us to consider something today. We'll start it today and we'll run through that. A subsequent Bible study. The benefit of being a believer. The benefit of being a believer. And I said to us in our Bible studies that one of the things that is lacking today in the body of Christ is that the basic of Christianity is not being taught. People are going to high revelations without following the basic of Christianity. It's like somebody who wants to learn fasting in the kingdom of God and he just gets inspired. He has never fasted in his life. The first fasting he wants to attempt is 40 days. Is going to kill himself. The problem we have is that people have not started crawling. They want to run. So many people are looking. You somebody get born again today, but the next week is desiring gifts of the spirit, is desiring prophecies, desiring miracles, is desiring a lot of things. So by the time he gets to that level, or he actually gets what he expects from the Lord, he begins to have problem because he didn't go through the basis. 
Amen. Amen. He didn't go through the best. So there are basics of Christianity, and that's what makes you solid, and that's what makes you firm. That's what makes you establish the basic principles. That's what he was saying in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. He was trying to say, Let us let us not ab- abandon the p- principle. There are dimensions we, we we must go. But Jesus said something first, John chapter 5 and verse 12. He said, John was speaking. He said, He that has the son has life. He that has not the son has no life. So being a believer is having the life of God. Now, I'm going to say a few things about that. John 1, 12, as many as received him to them, gave him power. John chapter 1 from verse 1 starts, he says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. He says, the light shines in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not the light. He came to be a witness of the light. And the Bible says in, in verse 11 and verse 12, he said, this is the true light that lighteneth every man that comes to this world. He says in verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we be at the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. Go back to verse 12. And this is salvation. As many as receive him, to them give he power. To become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. So being a believer, there are things you enjoy. There are benefits that we enjoy and celebrate as believers. And it's important that we understand that. But we cannot talk about the benefits of being a believer without knowing who is a believer. What is a believer? What does it mean to say you are a believer? And when I explain this to us, many of us will understand that we are not believers. We are going to church. We've been going to church. But I've never had a conscious, deliberate decision, a contractual agreement to say, Lord, I'm entering this contract with you and by reason of this entrance, I'm a believer. Many, many people have not had that. They grew up in the church. They joined the department. They are working for God. There has been no consciousness of an encounter with God. So, they are just there. When God created this world, God had a good plan for man. It started with Adam. God had a good plan. It was a good plan. But Satan came and perverted the plan on the counsel of God. And when the plan of God was perverted in Genesis 3, 24, the Bible says, God drove man. God what? Drove man. He drove him from the... God drove him. He said, get out. Can you imagine that? The same man he breathed into. The same man he gave a permission to buy into his heart. To buy her. What do I mean buy into the heart of God? The Bible says God brought all the animals to Adam to see what Adam would call them. For whatever the Adam, whatever Adam called them, that was the name thereof. God brought a lion. God knew it was a lion, but God didn't tell Adam. He said, Adam, what do you think this is? Adam said, Lion. God said, Wow. God brought a bird and said, Adam, what do you think this is? Adam said, Bird. God said, Wow. God brought a fish and said, Adam, what do you think is the name of this thing? Fish. Meaning Adam could buy the mind of God. He could draw from the depths of God. He could get God's mind. He could read the mind of God. He could, and that is only a dimension of the spirit. So that was the level man was operating with. Operating on. And God had a good plan. But Satan came, the serpent. Came as the serpent. Deceived man. 
And man messed up. So God sent man out. So in working with God, God needed a blood sacrifice. Something has to die. Something has to die. Something has to die. Because it actually started out in the, in the Garden of Eden. Man used fig leaves. Tied himself with fig leaves. But God killed an animal. Something has to die. You got it for free. This time something has to die. If you read Leviticus chapter 6 verse 30, you see what the Bible says. That the blood has to be in the tabernacle. And that's what God sees. And they were killing animals. So, what they did, what they did is that, okay, God likes cow. Alright. God likes sheep. Okay. So, I'm going to beat this boy now. And I'm going to cut off his head. But before I cut off his head, I'll keep two cow as my atonement for the sin I'm about to commit. Are you what I'm talking about? Yeah, because men said, since that's what God wants, they will not have to play around it. God wants cow. So no matter what we do, so long God sees a blood sacrifice, God is happy. Eh, no problem now. So let me buy three cows for three people. I'm going to mess up. So if I'm going to get do something evil, I already have an animal. So God discovered a man was now playing gimmicks. That's the problem with man. If you give a law, he's going to dance around on how to break it. So God said, okay, I'm tired of human sacrifice. I'm tired of blood sacrifice. There's a sacrifice that needs to be shed once and for all. And that sacrifice has to be spotless, blameless. So God said, I'll do something. God took from himself. Are you following what I'm talking about? God took from himself. He took from himself. Gave himself to man. The son came and died. And the Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 14, by reason of that death, he has broken down the wall of partition. The wall of partition was broken down. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18, the Bible says this. Second Corinthians 5 verse 18, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18, he has reconciled us unto himself through Christ Jesus and giving us a ministry of reconciliation. Hallelujah. So Christ came and said that gulf between you and God that you need an animal, you need a sacrifice to enter into his presence. You must kill an animal to enter into God's presence is taken off. Now when you say father, he shows up. But how? By reason of that blood that was shed. Hallelujah. I said Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So, to become a believer, the first thing you must do, you must acknowledge you are a sinner. Many of us have not got to that point. There must have been conviction. When you are a, a person who has been going to church all your life and there has never been any point in time where you were convicted, you felt I need a change of life, I need a change of way. It has never happened to you at all. All your life in church, it means you are not saved because that's the platform. There must be a conviction. It's like, today we have so many altar calls. And people wonder, they say, why is it that um, in Omega Family Ministry, for example, in a place like this, every Sunday they expect me to do an altar call. Hello? How many of you that goes to your mind at times? That goes to your mind. Say, Papa, should just do altar call. Now, the way this message just touched me. You should do an altar call. And there are places where they do that every Sunday. I don't have a problem with that. But the truth is that there are some people Every any Sunday you do an altar call, they will answer it. 
Any Sunday you do an altar call, they will answer it. It has become like ritual. Say, we want to give your life to Christ. Come out. Ah. This is my life, self. I have to give Christ. Then, the next two Sundays again, the man says something again. Ah. The one I gave to him last two Sundays. I didn't give it well. Let me give it properly now. Once there is conviction, because it is godly sorrow that works repentance. So this is the foundation of being a believer. There must be conviction. You must acknowledge Romans 3 verse 23. Romans 3 23. What is there? Romans 3 23. What is there? Uh-huh. All. How many? Okay. So even a baby that is born today has sin. Are you aware? By reason of Adam. By reason of Adam. So long you are born of a woman, you're born into sin. By reason of Adam. David said, In sin did my mother conceive me. I was shaping. So by reason of coming to this world through the Adamic covenant, you must consciously, don't assume it, you must consciously acknowledge your sin and confess. Acknowledge your sins convicted of it, confess. By confessing, you are telling the Lord that you cannot help yourself. You know, Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, our righteousness are like pretty rags. What does that mean? Our ability, our struggle in ourselves is rag before God. Because some people think that Christianity is a dress code. In as much as Christianity can affect your dressing. Okay? Your work with God can affect your dressing. But Christianity is not a dress code. There are people that grew up in church being told by their parents not to put on earrings, not to put on jewelries. They grew up like that. And as far as they are concerned, by reason of that appearance, they have become believers. That's not what it takes to be a Christian. And confess Christ. The Bible says in Acts 3.19 that the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Confess Christ. Acknowledge your sin. Realize you cannot save yourself. Confess Christ. Don't confess sin. Confess Christ. If you keep confessing sin, you keep confessing. You keep falling to sin. But confess the man who can take you out of sin. Confess. Romans chapter 10, from verse 8. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy heart and in thy mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. For if thou shall believe in the Lord Jesus... If thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in the Lord Jesus that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with their heart, man believeth to righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For as the scripture has said, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Amen. For whosoever shall call, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, the same Lord over all is written unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him of who they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they are sent? For it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel of peace, that bring glad tidings of good things. But verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name. So, your salvation experience isn't complete until you have called that name. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Amen. I said amen. 
I said amen. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. So what's the first step? What's the first step? Second step? Third? No, not confess. Acknowledge you are a sinner. Realize you can't help yourself. Number three, confess Christ. Eh? Confess Christ. Can I tell you number four? Number four is not being talked about today. Can I tell you number four? Christ has now come into your heart. Okay? You have received Christ. You are a believer. Number four, restitute. Restitution is not being spoken about. You cannot say you have received the Lord Jesus and somebody's money you stole five years ago. You have money to pay back. You have not paid. Go and pay. You stole a phone. You stole a phone. You know, some people say, ah, is that, that's passed away. Eh? Your salvation is not called complete until restitution. Now, I'm going to explain. <laughs> In Luke 19, if you read from verse 8, when Jesus met Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus said, anybody I took from, I will return back fourfold. I will restore to that person. If I stole from somebody, I will multiply it by four and give it to him. Guess what Jesus said in verse verse 9? He says, now salvation is come. That you followed me is not enough. Now you are ready to restitute. Salvation is come. You left your seat. And you left your bag in your seat. There was a stolen phone and a charger. A stolen handset and a charger. By your seat. You came out. And you surrendered to the Lord. All things are passed away. That charger is not passed away, sir. Get back. Carry it. If you are scared of being beaten, drop it in a conspicuous place. Don't let the devil tell you if you drop it, somebody else will steal it. It's not better it goes to hell than you go to hell. So drop it in a conspicuous place. And this one, many of us, Zacchaeus, let me tell you the principle of restitution. Zacchaeus could restitute because he could afford it. Restitution is only a problem, or you can only do without it when you cannot. You cannot what? When God blesses you so much, you stole so much from people. And that's why I tell people, you know, you don't know what God is doing in this ministry. God, God is doing our ministry is amazing. I'm telling you. I see a lot of internet froster, Yahoo boys or whatever they call them. A lot of them coming from Delta, coming from Lagos to church here. Many of them, they say they are done. They heard my message, they are done. They heard my message, they are done. Many of them turning off. And I say to them, clearly, I'm not going to hide it. I say to them, I mean, I've met many who sit down, who talk. They say, I say, how much do you have in your account? They say, this, this is what I have. I say, give everything to charity. You have a car? Say, how many? Three. Sell them. Give the money out. Some are panicking. Some are shaking. I mean, I know one or two of them who I saw. I had to give him money. He gave out everything. I had to give him money. Showed me a video. Showed me his cars. Showed me his alert. I said, go back to Lagos. Give out everything. Look for an orphanage, give it out. This is Christianity. 
to follow Christ is expensive. It's painful. But today's civilization doesn't permit that. There are people who are born again who say they are believers. They, they don't just make friends with such people. They collect money from them. I'm not same person. I'm not same person. You give me a job. I'm not same person. I'm not same person. What's my business? I'm not same He that joins his body to a sinner has become a partaker of that sin. Ephesians 5.11. Ephesians 5.11. The Bible says, reprove them. Have no fellowship with your fruitful works of darkness. And they return every, and I'm so excited. I, 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 and I feel so fulfilled when I, when I hear testimonies like that. That somebody can walk away from millions. Somebody can walk away from millions. Thousands of dollars. Millions of naira. And say, I want to serve this God. How many of you know the way that person would hold God would be different from your own? You didn't leave anything now. What did you leave? You left nothing. Actually, it was witches and wizards that brought you to church. You, you are running from witches. That's <laughs> you didn't leave anything. You are running from witches. They, 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 you woke up, you saw marks on your body, so you ran to church. You, you just met fire night, so you just hid at the back. And you were praying. So it was problem. It's different from those who consciously. It's like ministry. It's like ministry. People who are pastors who have never You have left all. And Jesus said, no man who have left lands, who have left houses, they left things for this Jesus. Restitution is important. Being a believer is to be saved from sin, saved from Satan, and saved from the world. Being a believer is to be saved from sin, saved from Satan, and saved from the world. You know, when Jesus was born in Matthew 1 21, the essence why it came was to answer the same question. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, his name shall be called Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sin. That's his name. That's why he came. That's the reason why he came. That's the reason why he came. You're saved from sin, you're saved from Satan. First John 3, verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy. God saved you from sin. Saves you from Satan. You have been snatched from the hand of sin. Snatched from the hand of the devil. And you are saved from the world. The power that rules this world. You must understand what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. In whom the God of this world has blind. Now, now watch this. Do you know by the transaction of sin through the serpent seed. Adam willingly 
handed over this creation to Satan. That is why when Jesus was going through the temptation in Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4, Satan said to Jesus, all these things are mine. Am I correct? That was what Satan said to Jesus. All these things are what? Did Jesus react? Did Jesus say it's a lie? No, talk to me. Did he say it's a lie? He said, all these things are mine. Bow down, worship me, and I will give it to you. I expected Jesus to have rebuked and said, no, they are not yours. He kept quiet. He only replied him with the scripture. Jesus knew that because of Adam's fall, Adam handed everything to Satan. But that's why he came, to take it back. Satan had to tempt him with what he came to take back. All these I will give to you. Guess what? He said he showed him everything in a moment of time. That's a deep statement. In a moment of time. In a moment of time. Satan showed him everything in a moment of time. If you want everything in life in a moment of time. Did you get that? If you want everything in life, a car, a house, a building, in a moment of time, sir, it's only Satan that can give that to you. Not God. God is a God of process. When is the devil? You can get everything in a moment of time. Fame, money. Ah, You buy cars. Put in a house. Everything. In a moment of time. Luke chapter 4 verse 5 And the devil taking him up onto a high mountain showed, him unto, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world In a moment of time There are people who just want to be rich by all means Now Get a car, get a house In a moment of time When you want it in a moment of time In a split second Maybe other translations can do justice to Be more elaborate in that You want everything in a split second Look at that the good news translation said, then the devil took him up and showed him in a second all the kingdoms of the world. Did you see that? In what? For the second test, he led him up and spread out all the kingdoms of earth on display at the devil lifted the devil, the devil lifted Jesus on high into the sky in a flash. Flash. In a flash. There are people who are in a hurry. This God, I'm going to get to that now. Because this God that I know is not a God you can follow in a hurry. It's not a God you can follow like that. There are so many people, the way they are following God is like he's owing them. It's like he's owing them. There's, there's this money, they, they, there's this money, this, this favor they kept in his hand that they must collect. He's on the platform of need. No friendship, no fellowship. They are not enjoying God. They are burdened with need. There are benefits in following God. We're going to consider spiritual benefits. And this is very nice. Many of us don't see it as benefits. It's for our good. We see it as effort. The first benefit in being a believer is the fear of God. The fear of God is a benefit you enjoy when you're a believer. Until you see it as a benefit, you can't thrive in it. You can't enjoy it. Until you see the fear of God as a benefit. You see the fear of God beneficial to you and it's for your good. 
When a man sets his heart to fear God, he's not helping God, he's helping himself. In Psalm 25 verse 14, he said, the secret of the Lord belongs to them that fear him. When a man fears God, he opens himself to the secrets of the Lord. When a man fears God, he opens himself to what? The secrets of the Lord. In Psalm chapter 34 verse 7, the Bible said, the angel of the Lord encamped round about them that feared God. So when a man fears God, he enjoys the ministry of angels. And verse 9 of that says Psalm 34, verse 9. He said, there is no want. No want to them that fear him. No want. So any man who fears God is never in want. Glory be to God. I say, never in want. So many people are not seeing the fear of God as a benefit. They see it as a struggle. In Psalm 33 verse 18, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord is on them that fear him. Once a person fears God, God's, you command God's attention. You command God's focus, God's attention. When you fear God, you command God's attention. The fear of God. Now, what's the fear of God? The fear of God is, listen to this, listen to this. That word fear, if you ask me, could have been turned to love. Watch this. The, my definition, the, the fear of God to me is loving God to a point you don't want him offended. Loving God to a point you don't want him offended. The fear of God is not to be scared or to be shaken. Oh God, oh God, no! No! In Psalm 103, I think. It says, as a father pitied the child, so the Lord pitied them that fear him. So the fear of God is not to be scared of God or afraid of God. It's to love God to that point of not wanting to hurt him. Loving God to the point of not wanting him hurt. Knowing that there is repercussions and reactions for action. Having that consciousness that there is a repercussion, there is a reaction for this action. When that becomes an overwhelming factor in your faculty, in your spiritual thinking, that's the fear of God. You see, when you begin to enjoy your work with God, it's when you move with God on the platform of love. Everything in the kingdom... This kingdom called the kingdom of God, everything in this kingdom works by love. Somebody met Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say to the person? What did Jesus say to the person? Love your neighbor. He was speaking that word. That word, everything in this kingdom, we, 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 we try by love. Your love for God. Your love for God. You love God to a point. You don't want him offended. You are conscious of God. The fear of God is putting God first in your dealings. Putting God first in your dealings. A person who fears God can't say, please leave me. Oh, church is church. This is different from church. You can't say that. A person who fears God can't say, listen, listen, listen. Put church one corner. Put church one side. 
Let's deal with this issue. Put church one side. The person who loves God can't say, see, if not church. Have you heard people say that? If, oh, you are lucky. You are lucky. They sound as if they missed their past. Some are even saying, make me angry now, just go back to the world. As if they are doing, I don't know. Now, you have been in church for 15 years. You have been in church, you have been a believer for 10 years. 12 years. If you go back to the world at this time, it's old-fashioned. You can't catch up. No, you can't catch up. There are so many dance that in the past 15 years has been in vogue. You can't catch up. Okay? There are so many things that the kind of alcohol they take now is not the one you took when you were still, <laughs> you were still in the world. The one they take now is very serious. You can't even take it. Alright? You'll be surprised now. You go to a party now and they are playing all kinds of dance. You'll be dancing praise and worship because that's what you are used to for 15 years. You'll be dancing praise and worship dance. Somehow you just see yourself. They are saying something like that. You just see yourself. Ragabosh in a party because you are you, you just in a party. Ah. Ah. Not be, not be church. It has entered into your system. So it's too late. Am I talking to somebody here? It's too late. This, it has become a part of you. It has become what? A part of you. There are things that become part of people. You can't take them out. One time, T.L. Osborne, great man of God, great man of God, T.L. Osborne came to, T.L. Osborne came to Benin for the first time. And the Archbishop's wife said to T.L. Osborne, why do we have to put this great man of God in the hotel? Let's fix our house, make our house fine and put him there in the house. So the man of God didn't care where he was going to stay. So when he got there, he looked at the old house. You know when you think you are prepared everywhere and when the man comes, he's going to be shocked. You look at everywhere. Say, I can't stay here. The Archbishop said that night, he couldn't sleep. So he left. They put him somewhere to stay. And when Taylor was in, by the second day, he gave the Archbishop some money. He said, take Add it to whenever you get money to buy a land and get a befitting house. The archbishop stood up, went and dropped that money on the altar as a sacrifice. So the wife was happy. The next day the wife comes to him. Where's that money? Let's see. He said, I've given church. Ah! That was a, he didn't know when he left him. That was a part of him. And before he died, it was a different story. It was his, just his house that that man would agree to stay. He said, nowhere else. When you are following God, love him. Stop acting as if there is this animosity. As if you are following this God because you are looking for something from him. Now, following God is like friendship. If I want to get something from you as your friend, I don't have to ask you. I'll just befriend you. I won't ask you. I what? Friend. Naturally, you start enjoying. So it becomes a benefit where you fear God. It doesn't matter what anybody has. Even if you have little, fear God. Proverbs 15 verse 16 says, Better is little with the fear of God. Better is little 
than great treasure and trouble within. Bring other translations. Let's be more elaborate. Better is little with the fear of God. A simple life in the fear of God is better than a rich life with a ton of headaches. Better is little with the reverence, worship, fear of God than a great treasure and trouble with it. It's better to be poor and fear the Lord than to be rich and in trouble. And the funny thing, better is little with the fear of Jehovah than great treasures and trouble therewith. And the funny thing, it's better to live simply, surrounded in only awe and worship of God than to have great wealth with a home full of trouble. That is getting the wealth that is outside of God. Now let me say this to you. You can't actually be poor when you are following him. No, you can't. You can't actually be poor when you are following him. You can't actually beg when you are following him. But it's a process. I was young. Now I'm old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor is seed begging bread. So you can't follow this God and be stranded. So don't give me Lazarus as an excuse. But uh, the rich man went to hell. Lazarus went to heaven. So the rich man, his wealth, no, it was not his wealth that took him to hell. Because if his wealth took him to hell, Abraham should have been in hell because Abraham was rich too. It was his lack of passion and empathy for a poor man. A poor man was before him and was dying of starvation, dying of hunger. The man had so much and he didn't share it with the poor. That's why God got angry with him. Not because he had money. Genesis 13 verse 2 said Abraham was very rich. In cattle, in gold, and in silver. Abraham was so rich, so blessed. Genesis 13 verse 2. That if you read verse 3 and verse 4, he said a lot that went with him was rich also. Bring up from verse 4. 5. A lot also which went with Abraham. This was not just Abraham now. The fallout, the benefits of being with Abraham. There was a dimension of grace that was extended to Lot. And Lot also was wealthy. Amen. I said amen. I said amen. Fear God. Fear God. Fear God and move around people that fear God. Avoid people who are easily swayed. Proverbs 24, 21. <laughs> Proverbs 24, 21. He said, meddle not with them that are given to change. My soul fear the Lord and the King. And meddle not with them that are given to change. <laughs> meddle not with them that are shouting change, 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 change. <laughs> Avoid them who are going about shouting change, 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 change. Because you didn't know as we were shouting change, change, change. It was bandits, 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 bandits. <laughs> meddle not with them. You are laughing, isn't it in the Bible? Avoid people that shout change, change, change. <laughs> Meddle not with them. That's the scripture I gave to them in 2015. I read this. They thought I was joking. 
you are in church that period, you know you will know I was shouting. I was shouting. I said, avoid, avoid, avoid. This is blood. As usual. Pa, 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 pa. Prophet of doom. Fake prophet. Huh? Yes. I said PDP is bad, APC is worse. Ah, ah. This man is confused. Though. Which one is good now? Yeah. Today we are enjoying. Everywhere is good. Amen. Yeah, I'm preaching Bible. I'm never talking again. No. I'm preaching Bible. Those that voted it, you face it. God will keep us and preserve his own. Amen. Matter not with them that are given to change. So, God wants you to be firm in your work with God. Don't build your life on, the, on another person's decision of working with God. Build your life on your own personal decision of working with God. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, he said, let us hear the conclusion of this whole matter. Fear God! This is a Bible study. So I'm giving you scriptures so that you can go back and study them like the Berea Christian. In Acts 17, 11, the Berea Christian were more noble than the Christians in Thessalonica. They received the word of God with the readiness of that and they searched the scripture if the things were so. Look at that, verse 13. Exodus, no, go back, go back, leave, leave the Berea Christian. Go back to um, Exodus 12, 13. Ecclesiastes, rather, 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion. In other words, the sum total of everything. This is the reason, no matter how you explain life, this is the sum total. Fear God! For this is the whole duty. So the first benefit you enjoy as a believer is the fear of God. If you don't see it as a benefit, you keep struggling. If you feel that following God is to do God a favor, you keep struggling. If you think that being holy favors God, not you, you keep struggling. How many of you know when you stop alcohol, it's not God you are helping? Eh? Number one, you start saving money. Eh? Can you see from that angle? You start saving money. Number two, the risk to kidney infection is low. Number three, you stop falling in the gutter. Number four, you stop being an object of ridicule and mockery. Are you following what I'm talking about? So when you start seeing your following God as beneficial to you, then it becomes so easy. Become so easy. Become so easy. There are people that are destroying their organs, destroying their system. Some of you looking at me right now, I'll say it clearly. Some of you still take all of those things. No, just say, just, just. One, one, one bottle. Oh, no, one glass. One glass. Blood tonic. Blood tonic. My, my, my PC, my, is it PCV? My PCV is low. It's low. Blood tonic. Odeco. Odeco. One bottle. One bottle. One glass. Blood tonic. It's not, um, God is against us not getting drunk. You know, the, the way with which you, you defend nonsense. If you hear people arguing nonsense, say, alcohol is not totally a sin. What is your problem? What is wrong in you avoiding it? No, 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 no. no nobody can confuse me. Yeah. God does not want us to. Uh, it's, it's, it's extremity that's bad. When something's excess. And now, your body system, your whole system, science tells you there's no part of science that tells you that smoking is good. No part of science that tells you that smoking is good. 
no part of science. Amen. Amen. No, no part of science. That tells you smoking is good. And if you know, 90% of most people who are atheists, who don't believe in God, don't believe in the existence of God, are people that believe in science. They believe that this world just evolved. And if you, and it, to me, if they actually believe in science, they will know they are wrong for not believing in God. Because science always tells you, shows you the result of something. If you are a science student, you will know that science always tells you the result of something. So, the effect of something. Why something was formed. The cause of something. Now, if you say you don't believe in the existence of God, how did the world come about? The second benefit you enjoy as a believer is that you live differently from the world. You live differently. Many of us don't know that once you became, once you become, okay, let me say this literally. Once a person becomes a believer, truly born again in your neighborhood, how many of you know you start commanding respect? Eh? There's this level of respect you command. Even from your parents. Just imagine you that they'll, they'll come out. Hey, come, come, come. The next day I come and say, Shh, she's praying. You see respect? See, don't disturb her. He's praying. You live different. If you're not going to serve this God because of heaven, why not serve God because of the respect being a believer commands? Your friends that will pull you out before start coming to you for counsel. When you're talking now, they're listening. But there's a life inside of you. You live differently. It's a benefit that a person who looked down and disdained you can now tell you, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? It's a benefit. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13 to verse 16. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt lost its savour, where we shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing to be trampled on the foot by men. Now, when God, you are the light of the world, a city set on the hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto those who are in the house. Verse 16 is important. And I want us to take it together. Look at your screen as we take verse 16. One to go. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works and give glory to your father. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify. You are the light of what? Not the light of the church. You are not to display your virtue here. If your Christianity is only what we see here, then you are not a believer. Your your light has to be shining there. There are people, they have, with all due respect to you. There are people that have clothes for church. Eh? These are my church clothes. This one. <laughs> this one. What you can't wear to church, you should not wear anywhere. That's a believer. What you cannot wear to church, you should not wear anywhere. So, when you have your church clothes, say this one is for church. 
This one is not for. I've seen people in town then when we started church newly, that when you see them to church, they are all covered. When you see them outside, you are driving past just side them. You have to clean your face well. I remember a sister in church, she can never dance. That's a show pious. And you know, sometimes when somebody has been like that in church, you think that's the, that this person is just very calm, naturally quiet and pious. Hey. They were doing one age group, age group, um, wait, wait now. They're doing one age group stuff near my grandfather's house. My grandfather was alive. So I went there, normally when my grandfather was alive, I buy provisions. Sometimes I'll go and give him Sometimes put money in an envelope, go and go and give him. When I got there, I was coming as a story building built by my father, built a house for his dad. So when I was coming downstairs, people were greeting me, oh, Pastor, Pastor, I just turned. I saw this our sister in the Lord. Pilori, 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 Pilori. For like one minute, I had my key. Pilori, Pilori. You know, there, some guy had this um, flute. Pee, 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 pee. I was going. Pee, no, that's how she was going. So I had to leave here. I was. I bent to look at her face. She was in the spirit of Pirori. She was this time not. What? Whether someone was standing. I said, this girl can dance like this. And you know, I won't. Of course, you know me. I won't walk away. Me, no. I won't walk away. I will stand. No. I will stand with you. So we stood. People say, the car. I said, leave car. Stood. (laughs) He's like. I said, follow me. Follow me. I see what was that? I said, No, 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 it's okay. Today is Friday on Sunday. If you don't dance, <laughs> you come to that church and I see you don't dance. No, I can't condemn her for doing that, that thing she has done. Because if I start judging her, then she, she, you will see her in church again, no? She would just pass there and follow Pinoli. <laughs> so what I did was to first, I first made that comfortable. I said, you must dance in church. When she came at the end, I told her that lady to see me. We sat down. I said, what was that? People with bottles, people with sticks of cigarettes, they were doing the same thing with you. How can you preach to them? How? Amen. And people don't understand. You know, I saw a guy at... Um, Alajinumaru Street. You know that place, right? I was driving and I spotted him talking with somebody who was smoking. So I just pulled over. I said, Come. So as soon as he saw me, he, my pastor, my pastor, my pastor, my pastor. He put the cigarette in his pocket. <laughs> he, my pastor, my pastor, my pastor, my pastor. My pastor put it in his pocket. So he was coming and doing like this. <laughs> so what I did was I, I came down. I came down. When you see one of our sister, she's in the U.S. now. I went, went to see her. So I came down 
And um, she actually told me, she and her daughter said, Daddy, see, brother, so so they smoke, they smoke. I said, ah. It was one of our drummers. He was giving the devil burnt offering. So he put it in his pocket. So I came down. I locked the door. I said, How are you? He said, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I said, Stand now, what's the matter? I said, Two Sundays I didn't see you in church. What's going on? He <laughs> said, I'm fine, sir, I'm fine, sir. I said, Calm down, calm down, calm down. I, I, I knew what was there. I said, Let this guy just know what it feels when people go to hell. So he started turning. Stunning. Stunning. So I said, it's important you don't miss church. And if you don't come to church, try and inform me I'm not coming. Okay, so I'm going. I said, come. <laughs> inform me that you will come to church. So okay, sir. Okay, sir. Okay. I said, bring out your cigarette. You saw it. <laughs> I said, I see him. Bring it. I said, ah, Papa, you saw this thing. My leg, my leg, my leg. Dropped it. As I entered the car. Let's go. Now, now. You know the problem? It was the light of the church. Not the light of the world. Let me shock you. How many of you know there's this men- mentality people have? When somebody hit them, you ah, We are in church, oh. Have you seen that? Keep quiet. You know they fear God. You are doing this inside church. They have a mentality that church is a building. You are the church. Even in the toilet, have that same reference. In the bathroom, you are the church. You are the church. So that fear of God should be in your heart. Am I talking to somebody here? You are the church. If you still go out, you, if anybody still offers you alcohol, or somebody still tells you, come now, let's go and do this. They are trying to let you know that your light is not shining. If your light is shining, there are things people can't do around you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. The more closer you are to him, the more your light shines. If there's no difference between you and the world, then you are darkness. If there's no difference between you and the unbeliever, then you are darkness. In your character... The Bible says, First Peter 2, 9, you are a holy nation, a peculiar people, a chosen generation, called for to show the praise of he that has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are called out. There must be a difference in your life. There must be a difference between you and the world. In that place where you are walking, that office where you are walking, there must people should be able to testify that this brother, he will never take bribe. Somebody cannot come, you know, late and tell you to sign for him. He came to work nine o'clock. I said, please, please, oh, help me, help me sign. Sign 745. You are too big for someone to push to hell. See, I'm not doing, I don't do that. I don't do that. You can't, you can't make me do that. Somebody is, is lying and you are coming. They are doing lying. Have you seen that happen? Somebody is lying. You are coming and they are trying to. Say it's true, say it's true, say it's true. You got to say things the way they are. No matter who gets offended. So long you don't lose your relationship with Jesus. Someone needed money and he sent a message to somebody who could give him money and he knew the person was going to ask me. So he lied. He needed money. 
Why do you have to lie? He lied. And the person asked me, is it true? You know, there are some people that when they lie, oh Lord. There is no fear. They, they lie with anything. And they will swear. They will swear. They will lie and swear. And this person lied. Terrible lie. Even with the death of somebody. And the person that sent the message to forward it to me. He said, what do you think? I kept quiet. He kept sending many messages. The man was forwarding it to me. And I told him, I said, call me. He called me. I said, his mother is not dead. His mother is not even sick. In Jesus' name, she will not die. But he needs help. Help him. He said, no, for lying, I won't help him. I said, no, help him. But don't give him up to what he wants. Let that be the punishment for lying. At least you did something. Do you have to lie? There are people that lie like they are prophesying. They don't think, oh, it just comes out. They, they don't even think about it. They don't, they don't plan it. It just flows. If you are a true child of God and you say some, something slips out of your mouth, you feel guilty. You feel guilty. If you do not have conviction, if you are a person who is not remorseful, then you don't know the Holy Spirit. Because one of the assignments of the Holy Spirit is conviction. It will break you down to make you know you are wrong. Not condemnation, but conviction. Amen. In your dressing, you can't dress like the world. Civilization and liberty in Christ does not, does not expose you to ridicule of the kingdom. You can't ridicule God in the name of liberty. The Bible says, if my eating meat will make my brother stumble, I will not eat meat. Not because meat is wrong, but it will affect my brother. If your dress as a girl, it's going to affect a brother in church. Do you know what it is? A brother, innocent brother, worshipping God with his hands lifted up. How great thou art. The next is hearing, koi, 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 I heal, koi. How great thou He opened his eyes. What is this now? That's why you are there. With something very tight. And this guy just got born again two days ago. He's still trying to serve God. He ran from something in the world. The thing we met him in the church. He opens his eyes and he's distracted throughout. Anything the pastor says, his eyes not there. Full message. He couldn't write one thing down. Because a temptation was sitting by him. The Bible says, if my eating meat... 1 Corinthians 8, 13, will make my brother fall. If meat make my brother to offend, I will not eat flesh while the word standeth, lest my, I make my brother to offend. Can we get to that translation? If eating meat is going to make my brother stumble, so never go to this idol and meat. If there's any chance, it will trip up one of your brothers or sisters. If you're dressing it's going to be... Okay, let me ask you a question. How many of you know you can't wear skimpy clothes to an interview? Hallelujah. Can you? I was told that even the higher institution now is not permitted. Indecent dressing is no more permitted. So what makes you feel is acceptable? 
Why didn't you go to that office and say, I'm, 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 I'm operating liberty. I'm operating liberty. Some people, I mean then, when we got out of school, I know brothers, while they were doing service, though some were through with their service and needed to go sit for jobs, they would borrow suits. Borrow suits. Borrow tie. Look responsible. Some, most time it was not suit, it was coat. With the shoulder part very big. Very big, you see them. That's how they answer like leke leke. And they are going them. Everybody is so serious. Borrow shoes, borrow everything. Even when you are getting married, are you not all covered? Are you not all covered? So at the end of the day, you discover that if Christ has not affected you, when you still have this spirit that struggles with counsel to dress, there are people, no matter what, there's no good cloth they have. If it's not torn at the back, it's torn on the side. If it's not torn on the side, it's torn at the middle. There's nothing good they have to wear. Not only the, the sisters, even the brothers. Even the brothers. So we must be extremely careful so that our, our, our Christianity does not become a reproach to the kingdom. Out there, you are representing God. In that office, not here. Not here. In that office, you are representing God. In that house, that compound, that estate where you are living, you are representing God. In those days, when people get born again, they call them pastors. Just before you say you are a Christian, they start calling you pastor. You don't pastor a church, but your light is too bright that it affects them. Some of you in school, they were calling you pastor. By reason of the way you followed God. If people don't call you fanatic, if people don't tell you that your Christianity is too much, then you have not started. People should tell you your Christianity is too much. People should persecute you and be critical of you. Number three benefit of being a believer is discipleship. Every believer is a disciple. Once you are saved, there's nothing you can do about it than just merely confessing. Matthew 11, 28, 29 and 30. Being saved is just a confession. Confess Christ. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Come unto me, all you that labor and the heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Verse 29 is discipleship. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest on your soul. So what is a disciple? A disciple is one who is yoked with God. Take my yoke. Is yoked with God. You can't separate him from his God. It's like Daniel. There was an instruction given that nobody should pray for 30 days for one month. That anyone who prays will be thrown into the lion's den. Sir, they said nobody. This is May, right? This is the month of May. They now said nobody should pray in May until June. Anybody who prays in May will be thrown to the lion's den. Do you know what some people will do? They will wait till June. All right, see you After all, June, I will pray. And they say, that's what? Wisdom. But Daniel knew he cannot stay a day without praying. It was a part of him. It has become a part of his life. Like I said, Daniel knew that one month with prayer will make one month. One week without prayer will make one week. Daniel said, I can't stay a month without praying. 
I can't stay a day without praying. The Bible says every day. He did not just pray. He prayed three times. Amen. He prayed three times a day. In the morning he would pray. And he opened his door to Jerusalem. He wasn't even ashamed or afraid. He, he faced Jerusalem. Opened his window and his door. And began to pray. Morning, pray in the afternoon. Pray in the evening for one month. Why? He was yoked. That's what it means to be yoked. That following God has become a part of your life. Having fellowship with God has become a part of your life. That's a disciple. A disciple is one that is yoked with God. One that is into God and God is into him. One that if you give him five minutes, you will see the character of Christ. If he enters your office, enters your house to sit down for one minute, you see the character of Christ. How can a believer stay in a house? You are quarreling. Unbelievers are hearing your voice. They are coming to tell you, calm down. It's okay. It's okay. Maybe husband and wife. They say, it's okay now. They go church. Calm down. Even as a single girl. Even as a single, single man. You have issues. You are quarreling. You are fighting. These are elements that shows you are not a disciple of Christ. Because if you are a disciple of Christ, you are yoked. You are yoked with God. You are yoked with God. Hallelujah. Is it possible to live a peaceful life? Very possible. Very what? Possible. The devil will bring up things to cause animosity, to cause issues, to cause quarrels. But once you are yoked with Christ, there are things you, you cannot just do. There are husbands and wives that fight a lot. It has become a part of them. There's no way they don't fight. In fact, if they don't fight, it's a problem. If there's no quarrel, the husband calls you, come, come. What's happening? This week, we have not fought. There's something going on. You are pretending. There's something you are hiding from me. Fighting is a lifestyle. And when they, when they hear people say, it's possible to live in peace, they say they are lying. In fact, I was somewhere preaching in Lagos. I said, Mama and I, we have never quarreled. Somebody, I just caught his face. He did like this. My eye just caught him. Now, look at what he did. Look at what he did. He said, as my eye caught him, he started twisting his mouth. <laughs> I just caught his eye like that. And guess what he said? Hey, pastor. My eye just turned to him. As I said, my man, I've never fought him. I caught him. <laughs> Why are you picturing my face? Stop that. <laughs> Don't zoom my face on that. <laughs> and I caught him. I just caught him. Now, you know what that means? That expression means he's lying. That's the, now, I don't blame him because to him, how? To him, how? He said, You won't quarrel. Wait, so we are not quarrel. Two people cannot stay in a house that they don't fight. We are coming from two, you will see people justifying nonsense. We are coming from two different backgrounds. Your own bringing is different from our own bringing. We must quarrel and quarrel and quarrel. We will not say two. But it's possible to have the Holy Spirit and enjoy peace. I've never, 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 not one day. Not one day. Am I communicating? One time I told my children to go and 
go, some, go somewhere. The person will say, ah, they don't come to mass. They don't come to mass. We just they should go there for like an hour. They ran back. They ran back. That's what's like, daddy. The one we saw the man, the one we saw the woman. Ah, no, 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 no. We are not going there again. It, it was an atmosphere they were not used to. See, the man was, they were holding the woman. The man was there. We're just looking at them like movie. I said, you are not going there again. Now, when you understand that it is possible, that's the first thing you must admit, that it's possible to live a life of peace. As a disciple, you are yoked with God. Number two, learn of me. So a disciple is a learner. A disciple, number one, is yoked with God. Number two, a disciple is a learner. One who learns every day. This is not academic knowledge. This is revelational knowledge. Not the one you learned in school. It's not academic knowledge, it's revelation knowledge. Learn of me. Disciple is one who learns of God. There is so much to learn. As you are following this God, there is so much to learn. That is why you see the disciples in the Bible. The word disciple cannot so is gone from the word. That's how you get the word discipline. A disciple is a disciplined learner. A disciplined learner at the feet of the master. Disciple is one who depends on his grace. He's willingly ready to pay the price to work with God. He learns about the Lord daily. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. He learns about the Lord daily through teachings like this, through training through walking in the house of God, he learns about the Lord. With teachings like this, he comes to listen to the counsel of God. He, has, he develops teachings for himself. Devotion. He has a devotion with God. That's a disciple. One who has a devotion. He has his time with God. He has his own time. That is the time he spends with God. How can somebody wake up in the morning? The whole day, there is no time for your maker. There should be a time for God. A time you go on your knees, a time you pick your Bible to study before you begin your work in the day. You don't just wake up and you are released into the world without committing that word into his hand. And when you are yoked with God as, as a disciple, you learn of him, it produces meekness. The disciple is one who is meek and lowly. Lowly is not being stupid. Lowly is humility. A lowly man does not exalt himself. Humility. Humility at heart. Do you know one time Jesus said, when you are invited to an occasion, he said, don't sit on the high table. Lest they come to you and tell you that that seat has been reserved for somebody. And they bring you down and you are disgraced. It's a seat in the low place. Let them pick you from there and say there is a seat on the high table for you. Are you following what I'm talking about? What does that mean? If you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. If you exalt yourself, you'll be humiliated. Lowly in heart. The arrogance in our life is so much. The arrogance. The pride. Every proud man has God as his enemy. And when God is your enemy, your, whoever is your friend is immaterial. God says, I resist the proud. First Peter 5, 5. I resist the proud. First Peter 5, 
5 and 6. And I give grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he will exalt you. For God resisted. Go back to verse 5. The last phrase in verse 5. God resisted the proud and give grace to the humble. Then verse 6. Verse 6. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Say to someone, humble yourself. Say that again. What's a disciple? One that's yoked with God, Elena, and it's one that manifests the fruits of meekness and lowly heart. The problem we have is that so many of us, you know, what, what was the devil? Why did the devil fail? The devil failed because the Bible says in Ezekiel 28, he said, because thou was bright, thou walked on the stones of fire. Satan experienced brightness. Satan experienced illumination. Now let me explain what happened. There were three archangels before God's presence. There was archangel Michael, angel Gabriel, and Lucifer. Lucifer does not mean Satan or devil. Lucifer means brightness, the sun of the morning. It's a good name. It's a good meaning rather. It had a good meaning. The word Lucifer means brightness, expression. Why? Lucifer, this is God Almighty. Lucifer stands before God to give God praises. He was good looking. He stands before God as the illumination, as the light. You behold him before you behold the Lord. Are you following what I'm talking about? Before you behold the Almighty, you behold him. He stands before God. So when all the cherubims come, they bow. They were not bowing to him. They were bowing to God. You don't get that? It stands, look at this, it stands before God. And it's exalting God. Praising God. Adoring God. The cherubims come and they bow. They are not bowing to him. They are bowing to. But that entered his head. That he felt all of those praise. He deserves it. Why doing that for him when he can get that praise? He lifted up himself. And the Bible says actually, a couple of angels rebelled with him. Those are fallen angels. Because I saw brightness, thou walked on the stones of fire. And that was why to handle him, it was another archangel that was in the same presence of God with him that had to fight him. Am I talking to somebody here? So God that was assigned Michael to pull him down. So, hear me. Hear me. A Lucifer, an archangel Lucifer, who wants to usurp the glory of God, should not forget there's an archangel Michael that can cast him down. And when you get to that point in your life, when you feel certain things are happening because they just happen on their own, or it's because of you, you know, when the glory of God leaves a man, when a lady decides to be decent, she makes up her mind to be decent, that is when she's more open to temptation. When a man makes up his mind to be decent, that's where the temptation multiplies. Because Satan hates discipline. Satan hates discipline. When a man is ready to drink and take alcohol and fall on the road, nobody offers him a free bottle. 
But the day he says to himself, I'm done with this life, he will get many of us. Because we are in a contest. It's lonely. He said, you shall find rest. The ultimate for discipleship is rest. The ultimate for discipleship is rest. God wants to give you rest. Hebrews 4, 9, therefore there remains a rest unto the people of God. Hebrews 4, verse 1 and 2 and 3. He said, let us therefore fear, lest a promise be left us of entering into his rest, any one of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached like unto them. Hebrews 4, 1, 2 and 3. But it did not profit them anything because they did not mix it with faith. For we that believe do enter into his rest. A disciple is a, is a man or a woman, an individual who is ready to carry his cross. In serving this God, I'm going to round up now. I'll let you know there is a cross to carry. There's a cross to carry. Following God is not rosy. Don't let nobody lie to you. Following God is peaceful when you make the decision to love him. You only enjoy following God when you love him. It's peaceful when you make a decision to love him. There are things you will lose. There are things you will let go in following God. Today, anything, you see, availability is not provision. That something was made available to you doesn't mean God provided it. Hello? Hello? If the devil wants you to go and waste your life in Germany, he can make a visa available. But you will be there thanking God for a visa, not knowing that what is there is availability, not provision. When Jonah was sent by God to go to Nineveh, there was no ship available. But when the devil said, go to Tashish, Satan brought a ship for him. He entered Tashish. But going to God's assignment, there was no ship available. So when he saw the ship available going to Tashish, he felt it was God. It was so easy. There are many visas you get. It's not God that gave you. And that's why no matter what you get, you must ask the Lord, is this your will? You can get a visa to America and God says no. Because he knows that in America you will lose your life. So many of us, we mistake availability for provision. It's not. It's not. Sometimes the devil opens traps. When you get to that trap, not all open doors are God's doors. Some so-called doors are traps. Traps. A pastor was praying for a banker to get married. She was believing God to settle down. She would tell the pastor anything, give him seed, give him money. And one time, the bank made an offer that they are going to send some people on training. They're going to become chartered accountants top management board they picked her they picked a few people and they said to them they are free to go with their spouse on the bank's expense the bank will pay for the trip ticket accommodation bta so they are free to go with their spouse this pastor was praying for this lady to get married so as soon as they mentioned the lady says sir they say we can go with our spouse so 
So please, between now and the next eight months that we are going, pray because this part going with their husband, I'll just go alone. The pastor said, in eight months' time, say yes. You are going, if you, if you have a man now, you will follow, you will follow you to America. Say yes. Hmm. Jesus. Confirmation. He spoke in his dry tongues and spoke in his dry tongues. You are the one. You are the one. The lady was surprised. She was surprised. Pastor, want to marry me? Say yes. God told me he has given me an international ministry. You know when you were coming, I was getting this sign. Less than a month. They got married. Preparing for the trip. Three months after the wedding, the bank had issues. And the bank said, for now, anything about the trip abroad should be put aside. No trip abroad. The pastor said, eh? No America. He said, yes. No marriage. Walk out! Because he felt he was disappointed. To him, availability was provision. I want to advise you that a house is free. Doesn't mean you should pack in. Good area. Light is regular. Good water. Good this. Uh -uh. It doesn't mean you should go in there. You must ask the Lord. Because sometimes when it's not from God, it's very attractive. I'm not saying when it's from God. When it's not from God, it's very attractive. You see, and, and the woman saw it was beautiful and pleasant to the eyes. You will not make mistakes. I say you will not make mistakes. Can we be on our feet this evening? We're going to ask the Lord, plant in me the fear of God. Plant in me the fear of God. Plant in me. Say in the name of Jesus. Say in the name of Jesus. I can you say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. My father, my father. My father, my father. As I begin to pray, as I begin to pray, plant in me, plant in me the fear of God. The fear of God. The fear of God. Open your mouth and turn it to prayer. Say in the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, I receive grace to be a light to my world. I receive grace to be a light to my world. Go ahead and turn that to prayer now. Say in the name of Jesus. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to be a committed disciple to you. Help me, O God. 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 Help
to be a committed disciple to you. To be a committed disciple to your mouth and Blessed be your name. Imole deo kuku barada. Imole deo kuku barada. Imole deo kuku barada. Imole deo kuku. Imole deo. jumped into higher things without going through the structure. And that is why we see so many issues in our lives. Because we have not really had an encounter, a personal encounter with Jesus. I pray for you today and I ask 
the Lord will reveal himself to you he will cause his face to shine on you he will help you to follow him in spirit and in truth in Jesus name Amen Praise the Lord Tomorrow by 4pm
deserve this kind of love? What did I do to sit at your right hand? What did I do to deserve this kind of love? And God said, in that when we were yet sinners, He came. When we had no anointing, when we had no faith, when we had no grace, when we had no pride, he came. Nothing to make us proud. No car, nothing, nothing. He came. Have you asked yourself that question? What did you do to deserve this kind of? Wherever you are, lift up your hands and begin to bless. So it's good to dance, it's good to jump around, but sometimes it's, it's good to reflect. In one minute, just begin to think about all the things God has done. that is down and sets him for the world to see that is the God you came to serve if it's that same God I came to serve can you lift up your hands and open up your mouth and begin to blast in other tongues I wish I can hear people 
sin, Lord. <laughs> what did you do to deserve this kind? It's not by works that any man should boast. Hallelujah. I said hi. All right. Good morning, everybody. I trust everyone is fine. All right. Um, my voice is down because we didn't have a very good sound from prayer conference, so that's why you didn't hear my voice this morning. I had to rest my voice so that I can be online throughout the week. So the meeting is going to reconnect. We are still listening to teaching. I'm here with you. But to be able to save the recording, the meeting has to reconnect. All right. So just one minute. 